Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm going to be continuing today um, the series that we started last week, a three-week series uh, entitled Beyond Belief. Beyond Belief. Last Last week, many of you know, we touched upon... Uh, the title of the first part was to be empowered, to be empowered. Effectively, this series I want to look at is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we looked specifically last week of being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And particularly with that, in what we believe initial evidence is, you'll see many people speaking in tongues. And it's one of the things you see in the Bible many times. And one of the things last week, we pray for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And many were, by the way. It was a tremendous to see this whole front here and people beginning to speak in tongues for the first time. And it's so important, and what I tried to stress last week, we were looking uh, in Scripture, in Acts And looking at the reason why it's beyond our belief when we receive Jesus, when we receive salvation, some of us never go that bit further and end up being filled with the Holy Ghost as well. And we can end up living our lives being a Christian, receiving salvation, receiving access to heaven. So, you know, if Jesus returned, then you've got your ticket, I said. But there is something that Paul described. He talked about Apollos, who was one who was great at teaching the word. He was one who knew about Jesus and he spoke about Jesus very, very well, it says. But apart from that, he didn't speak about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when Paul came, he said to the people, he said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed to the Ephesian believers in Acts 19? And then it says he placed his hands upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to encourage you, and that's what I did last week, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is more to Christianity than just accepting forgiveness of sin, although this is great. We thank Jesus for the gift that he paid for on the cross. But he also said this, when I go to the cross, after me is one that's coming after me that will baptize you with fire. Many people get so far. I know people who don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're scared of being filled with the Holy Ghost. They're scared of speaking in tongues. But I want to tell you, it's the very thing that will define and change you and release you into everything God's called you to be. When we see and hear some of these stories, listen to me. This does not happen unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen. I mean, some people, they think it can. It cannot happen. It's only by the Spirit because none of this is our power. None of it is our power. When we see these miracles, none of it is to do with us. We're just vessels. By His grace, He allows Himself to flow through us. Never look at us that we have anything special other than we love Jesus. Amen. So I looked last week that empowerment is not a fuzzy or warm feeling. I meet so many people who, they so, they live on the fact that to come to church and to be in, as we sung this morning, to be in the courts, to get that warm, fuzzy feeling. We all love those feelings, don't we? We love it when we feel good, when we come to church, when we feel that, that, that touch from God. And I felt it. Believe you me, I felt them, them feelings and I love to feel that. But let me tell you, the key to it is this, that we don't rely on that. Because I'm telling you, most of the time I pray for many people and I see miracles, I don't feel a thing. I don't feel a thing. They seem to be feeling a lot. I don't feel a thing. I think God puts us in that place as to say, it's not about you. Stop thinking about how much, how charged up you feel. His spirit is far bigger than a fuzzy, warm feeling. I put empowerment's not a level of achievement for Christianity. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit is not how good a Christian you are. You know, it's not be saved and then so many years later when you've achieved so much and you show Jesus what you've done and you show the church, then it's time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, from day one you can be filled. There's no difference. We need to receive this gift. And empowerment I put is not to puff you up. 
Not to make you bigger, but it's to build others up. To, to release and build others up in the church. There's so many times in the past when I've received prophetic words for people. And I think, Lord, you know, and, and I give these prophetic words. And I think, actually, all this is for is to build others up. It's not for me. It shouldn't be to puff, puff me up or make me feel any bigger. The only reason God's delivering it is because he wants to touch the other person. He's not trying to make me anything special. He just wants to get his word to someone else. And, 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 and hear me. Many people think that God can speak through the word. He can speak through the word. He can speak through the Bible. But prophecy and all these gifts are key. He's calling every single one of us to operate in these gifts. Because we're his feet. We're his mouth on this earth today. We need the empowerment. And it's beyond our belief. It's beyond that initial belief. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to encourage you today that in, since last week, if you've been stepping out and speaking in tongues and, and, and begin to release it, I want to encourage you to keep doing it. Don't give up. I would say that this week you've probably had one of the, some of the most spiritual attacks you'll ever know because the enemy will come and tell you that you have not been filled. I remember it so well. That it's all in your mind. It's not you. Remember what I said last week. The moment Jesus was baptized in water. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him. He went straight into the desert. And who did he meet? The devil. Because the devil wanted to challenge him on every single thing. That he believed he was. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But what was it? He reminded him of the word of God. He reminds him. Remind the enemy of the word. Remind the enemy, listen, Jesus, if, he, if you came forward last week to receive the gift, there's no reason why you haven't got it. I cannot understand any reason why, because Jesus wants to give good gifts to his children. The only difference is that you just need to release it. You need to step out in faith. It's not just going to overtake you. You need to step out in faith. So we looked last week to be, to be empowered. In other words, when we, we get saved... When we've accepted Jesus, it's so key that we're empowered. We have a power from on high. It says that they were clothed with power from on high. I know that I couldn't do my Christian walk without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. I'd just be coming here religiously. I'd be coming here trying to be someone I'm not. In fact, I'm not the person that some people think I am. When we go to the streets, I say, we're not who you think we are. We're just vessels saved by grace. Thankfully, he allows his Holy Spirit to work through us. I don't know why, but he does. Isn't it great? It's great that he gives us this gift. Part two today, I want to look. The title of today is Be United. Be United. We're going to read Ephesians 4. Verse 1, to, uh, verse 1 to 7 first. Paul says this, writing from prison. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Skip to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers... To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ, that's the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then, listen. If you do all this, then, says Paul, verse 14, we will no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This scripture is just amazing. Ephesians is a brilliant book to read. I want to encourage you to go and read it. But this, what we're going to look at today is, many people, you know, when I've just talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I tell you, I meet many people who get a real uh, false view of the Holy Spirit. They tend to believe that the Holy Spirit is just about, it's like a, a force and a power that there is, it doesn't really display the character of Jesus. Some people we meet, I've met sometimes, that it seems to be that it's just this power and force. And there's no character. But remember, it's the character of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's like a gentleman. I said this last week. He will never force himself on anyone. He's not a force or a power. He's a gentleman. And when we invite him to come into, into, into the place and we say, Lord, we want your presence, we're inviting him, just as you invite anyone to come. And I want to encourage you today that many people get this false view that if we think it's a force and a power that heals the sick and touches people's lives, then we get into this view that all the Holy Spirit's for is just empowerment. It's empowerment for miracles, empowerment for all these lovely stories, and empowerment for all these good things. But let me tell you this, the Holy Spirit is far bigger than just some power for some miracles and healing. What, what Paul is speaking about here is unity. Something far greater, actually, that builds up the church. That the Spirit of God is flowing through us and building His church, building an army, building a family. But it's not just about miracles and healing. Paul describes the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the kind of things that the Holy Spirit is described as. Not a power and a force that will help you heal the sick. Not a power and a force that will help you speak another language so everyone thinks you're more super spiritual. In fact, actually, these things are more important. If we get these things right and the body of Christ is being built upon these characteristics of the Holy Ghost, then when we apply His power that is bigger than us, all it does is it reinforces who He is. You see... What we sung about this morning, some of the songs we sung, is a revelation of who Jesus is. I want a fresh revelation. I want to know who Jesus is even more. I want to know who he is even more. And you know, this morning I want to encourage you that the baptisms of the Holy Spirit is not about empowerment to just give you power to go around doing uh, these miracles and healings and things that we talk about. It's not for that. It should change your character as well as your actions. In fact, empowerment, I've put here, does not necessarily mean that you have a godly character. Many people, and I, wanna, I really want to speak to you deeper to this, because we're seeing some great things at the moment, amen? We, we love to talk about these stories, but it's so important. In fact, this is more important than the empowerment word. Because this is all about getting it right in your head about the Holy Ghost, who He is. Demonstrations of power that we're seeing should not be confused with demonstrations of character. In other words, just because we see someone operating and seeing a move of God in our midst through different people that you keep hearing about does not mean that they are special godly people. It does not um, endorse them as special people. Signs and wonders accompany ministers. They don't authenticate them. Our characters should be shaped by Christ. 
our character should be shaped by Christ, not his gifts of empowerment. And that's the key. If you get this right, if you get an understanding that we need to be showing the Holy Spirit all of his characteristics, you'll find actually that empowerment is just one of them on the list. One of them to see miracles. We need to display his character. I want to remind you of when the miraculous catch when Peter and they had the boat and they see a miracle occur. And they see all of these fish come and it says there weren't enough nets to contain the fish. If you read your Bible, you'll see these stories of the miraculous catch, it says. But let me remind you this, that although a miracle occurred, there was an empowerment. Power came in, supernatural ability to allow more fish to come into those nets. That's the power. But let me tell you, in that story, if it wasn't for the boats, if it wasn't for the extra nets that they needed, if it wasn't for the people going and doing the work, then there wouldn't have been a miracle. You still need boats. You still need people to work. You still need the nets as well as the power. These things all display and pull together. The body works together to display who Jesus is. Number one today. I believe we should have unified, have a unified cooperation between us. That's what I put here. Unified cooperation. Paul said this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. In other words, you've just, you've just got saved. You've received this new life. You're a new creature. You need to live a life worthy of this calling, not just sit back and relax. You need to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I think some people sometimes, they just, they do want to sit back and enjoy the ride. And they do, I've said this before, they wait, waiting for Jesus to return, having a fun time. But listen to me. We have, a, we have to live a life worthy of the calling we've received, says Paul. And he says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's important that we're all going in the same direction. It's important that we're unified together, that we cooperate together. Because we're all in this together. Amen? We want to be together. It's true. And listen to me. Sometimes when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit and we talk about empowerment, what happens is this. Sometimes people start to think that the Holy Spirit is all about empowerment. I haven't got, I I can't see this. I have not been used in this way. Therefore, I'm not separate and you become detached from the body. Listen to me. It's not about that. It is not about whether you've seen a miracle, that whether you're part of the body or not. It's not a, that's nothing to do with it. Because like I've just mentioned a minute ago, the key is this, that unity of the Spirit is among us. Demonstrating and releasing the character of Jesus in so many different ways. Amen. Someone quoted this, we must reprogram ourselves to understand that cooperation is a higher principle than competition. Let me say that again. We must reprogram ourselves to understand that cooperation is a higher principle than competition. Cooperation together, whether or not you've seen certain things or someone's seen this and someone's seen this or someone's done this in in, in the church, it shouldn't be that we have this competitive spirit, but we have a cooperative spirit. That says this, wow, I love this. Do you know what? When people tell me, I'm waiting for pe- people to come and tell me greater things than I've seen. Because <laughs> I just I get excited because it's our body, it's our church operating. Listen, I want this because it's all about the body. It's all about representing Jesus. That's all it's about. We need to cooperate together. Unified cooperation. Working together is going to be far more fruitful for us than competing. Competing will break up. Competing causes division. But working together strengthens. Many people have got gifts in here that I haven't got. Many people have got things that you can do that I, I can't do. What's that song? No, I'll not go there. 
Emma, do you want to sing it? A song just came to mind. Verse 3 said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace. John, uh, John 14, verse 26 to 27, Jesus described the Holy Spirit that was going to come before he died. He said this, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is the gift that we receive, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Listen to this, verse 27, straight away. As soon as he's described the Holy Spirit, what he's going to do, he says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is leaving his peace. If there is no peace and there is disunity amongst the body and the body begins to break, then the Holy Spirit's not hanging around that area. Do you understand me? If we reject peace, we reject God's Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you. I know it's hard and it's difficult because Paul says we've got to bear with one another. If you put that in, in today's language, not the message, my language from up north, it means, you know, put up with each other, you know, when we're all bugging each other sometimes. Bear with one another. That tells you that the church isn't perfect. It tells you today that you are not ever going to find a perfect church because wherever you find a church like the Bible describes that Paul says you've got to bear with one another. He was quite polite in his language, wasn't he, really? But it's true. It means that it's going to be quite a struggle. So many people are looking for a church that they're going to be really happy with. That No, everyone's their best friend. And everyone's happy all the time. It's not true. That is not real life. True, real church is this, that you're going to have to come and put up with people. It's true. Paul said it. He said you're going to have to come together, bear with one another, through the bond of peace. That means the Holy Spirit is working in all of us. The reason why you'll find that most people can keep together and bear with one another is because the bond of peace that is the Holy Spirit that's working through us is doing the work for us. You see, I'll tell you this, when I go to the streets sometimes, I sometimes wonder, why would I have a love for certain people? Why would I have a compassion? Because it's sometimes not my compassion. Most of the time, it's not my love. It's the love of Jesus flowing through me. You know, I'm not a special person that goes out and says, "I'm, I'm like, you know, I love everyone. And sometimes I go out and think, actually, being honest, in the flesh, I probably wouldn't want to go out and do some of the things I want to do. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, He gave empowerment. He gives me a peace. He gives me a. He, he gives me this desire to love, have compassion, and all of a sudden I find myself as it flows through, not the flowing of power, but also the flowing of love and compassion that then wells up to wanting to wanting to do something for someone that I know I can't do out of my own self. So therefore, I need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to finish the job. And literally, it started off because I had a love and a compassion for someone. That's why it's not just about going and touching everything and. People getting healed and there's just power everywhere. No, it, it's, the, it's this, the unity of the spirit. So what can affect this unity and cooperation between us? I put it here that pride can. Pride gets in the way. We can't succumb to authority. We don't like authority in the church, so we, we become our own leader. It's true. L- listen, I've, not, I've only been doing this job 18 months, but I've seen... I've been in church for many years and I've seen my mum and dad run involved in church for nearly 50 years. As a young boy, I've seen more divisions in church. I used to come home and all, you know, that's, that's all I ever heard. So and so's gone. This has happened. This has gone. And I'd be thinking, oh my word. I wonder sometimes why I'm here. I honestly wonder sometimes why is it that I do what I do because I've, in a sense, when you're in leadership and you see some of the things, and I've seen it as a young boy, I've seen difficulties because people are bearing with one another. If you're in a church where it's all happy and no one's bearing with each other, then I'd question, which church are you in? What, what, What is happening there? We need to succumb to authority we need to come under leadership it's right i'm not saying that because i want to throw my power around 
Do you know, the one thing I love is that when people have a servant heart, because if, if someone comes through with a servant heart, they want to serve. Do you know what I want to do back as a leader? Serve them. I just want to serve others. I love to serve those who serve me. I just, that's the way it works. Listen, I'm not here to, to, to say this is my church and I've got the power. It's God's church. He's just given me the ability to be able to run it. I've got to do it well and steward it well. And with a servant heart. So when people come and they come under leadership, you're not coming under any power and authority. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. It's different. We need to be humble, not prideful. Another thing I've put here that can break it is anger. We can get angry with people. Paul said, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we, we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Listen to me. Paul says it clearly. Many of us don't like to preach and talk about the devil. We don't want to give him a stage. But listen, Paul gives him a stage here. Do you know why? Because when we get angry with someone and we're in the body and disunity is broken, what are you doing? You're not just opening up for this, uh, for, for anger to, to, to build up inside and bitterness. But what you're doing is you're giving the devil a foothold. Have you ever met these people who come to, you know, the double glazing salesman at the door? It feels like they've nearly got their foot in the door. You're trying to shut the door. No, I'm not interested. I've got new windows, thanks. Yeah, but what about your fascias? And and you're trying to get rid of them. They're nearly putting their whole body inside the door to try and sell you something that you don't need. This is what it's like. And you find it hard to shut the door. The devil gets a foothold. If you start to get angry with people, we get proud, we get angry, then the devil gets a foothold in your life. Disunity begins to break. Listen, these are the things you need to watch out for. It's not about being competitive. It's about cooperating together and being honest with each other and saying, listen, this is my difficulty. These are my problems. This is what I'm struggling with. I have got a problem. Please pray for me about it. Because I don't want these things. Because these are not, these things are not the fruit of the Spirit. Paul states that we need to be completely gentle. Anger, if left unchecked, is gonna get, you're going to get you bitter towards people. Bitterness creeps in, and boy, oh boy, how many of you know when bitterness creeps in, it's very difficult to get rid of bitterness. You see, anger, you know, you can get over it, and you count to 10. I sometimes get to 15, 20, 100. I'm still wondering, when's it going to go? But when we leave anger, it becomes like a deep root in us. Then it, it turns into bitterness. And bitterness, when it's in us, is something that's very deep. And let me tell you, all of a sudden, you're no longer part of that unified body. You're no longer part of that same cooperation. You're just on your own, trying to fight that battle. And then when that bitterness comes in, Finally, I've put here is another thing that gets you is slander. You begin to put others down. Because you're so upset with yourself. You're so upset with the way you feel. Everything, self-pity comes on you. And then you start to think, I'm going to blame. How many, we all love to blame someone else. Isn't it right? When I was, when I was younger, if ever I got into trouble at school, first thing I'd do is think, how am I going to get out of this one? Who could I blame? I'm not like that now. But it's true. It's a natural reaction. We want to pass the blame. We want to pass the blame onto someone else. And we begin to put others down. We see other people in the body who are rising up and doing things for God. And they're doing special things. Then we begin to get jealous. We begin to put others down. But Paul says, bear with each other in love. This is... The Holy Spirit as well. It's not just about speaking in tongues. You need the Holy Spirit to bring unity and to operate on his bond of peace. It's far more powerful because if you don't get this right, what you're going to be left with is an angry person, bitter person who puts other people down, who operates in the gifts of the Spirit. Remember what I said before. He will never remove. The gifts are irrevocable. He won't remove the gifts. What a dangerous place to be in if you're operating in the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're seeing the sick healed. You're doing certain things and seeing God move. But you are bitter and angry. And you are not unified with the body. 
you're living your own journey on your own. And I want to encourage you today, that is a dangerous place to be in. It's a dangerous place. That's why empowerment is not going to show your real character. Ephesians 4, 29 to 32 says, watch your mouth and don't grieve the spirit. Do not let, Paul says this, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So easy, listen, if we break this unity, if we begin to be, if we start to be a little bit naughty and start to be naughty towards other people and start to think uh, bad things about people, put others down, we're breaking this peace that the Holy Spirit gives us and he will grieve. He'll take a step back. And what a place to be in. I don't want to be in a place as a church where it's broken like that, where the Holy Spirit is blessing people and, and he's just grieved because people have got this bitterness and anger. Listen, I'm not having to go to the church saying that we've all got this problem. All these things that I preach, I need to preach to myself too. But this, I really felt that in this message I wanted to lay out to, and hope for that is that it's not just about empowerment. The Holy Spirit is far bigger than that. Number two, we need to have a unified ambition. We read earlier in Ephesians 4.11, so Christ gave himself, gave, gave the, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service. So here we are, we're talking about gifts again here. So he says, I'm going to give you this unity and this bond of peace. But then he talks about this. It's a very famous scripture, the Ephesians 4.11. People always used to say to me when I were involved in prophecy, they would say, are you an Ephesians 4.11 prophet? I thought, I've got no idea where I am. I'm just listening to God. People love to bring Bible terms and are you this and are you this and label it and group it. Some people have said to me this recently, they say, um, in, in your what you're doing at your church, you've got a real gift of evangelism, haven't you? That's your avenue. I said, I think, no, it isn't. I, I, I've never sought evangelism. Yes, I have got a gift to go and do it, but I think every single person in our whole lives need to evangelize about what we believe in some way or another. You know, I'm not saying that we've all got to preach on the streets, but what I'm saying is this. It's almost like that people like to group and tag you into a specific avenue so that it makes them feel better if they're not doing it. The truth is we should all be doing it in some shape or form. It should, when you've received, if you've received something so great, you want to tell people about it, don't you? Not keep it a secret. Hallelujah. So what is it for? He says, to give these gifts, these Ephesians 4.11 uh, describes giving these gifts to equip his for works of service. But Paul says the reason why is this, so that the body of Christ, verse 12, may be built up until, listen to this, so the body of Christ may be built up, not so that we can all have a great time listening to testimonies all the time and being excited about the power. He says this, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Sam said earlier in the worship, oh, we need a deeper revelation. We need to know more of who he is. We need to express that in what we do. So actually, everything we do as a body should be expressing who Jesus is, his character. And that is not just through spectacular gifts. He gives these gifts, the Bible says, as, as, as Christ apportioned it by his grace. You know, he gives these things to us individuals. Sometimes you'll see people doing things and, you know, they'll come out and they'll say, yeah, I prayed for someone and then this leg grew and you're thinking, well, I've not done that and I tried it and nothing happened. Don't give up. Don't give up. Listen, the reason why Jesus will give the gifts to those who eagerly seek them. If you really want them, he'll give them to you. Be prepared to carry them. Because I'm finding more and more these days is the more and more I've asked for them, the more and more he keeps putting in front of me. And I feel like I'm forever praying for people now. And that's not because sometimes when I look for it, I honestly, I'm telling you this, the truth. I find that God is putting people in my path and, and, and I'm hearing his voice more to say, pray for this one now. Before I never had that. So you have to be prepared if you want the gifts and you want to operate in them more and more. You've got to be prepared to do some more work. It gets tiring. 
I want to encourage you, it's not all it's meant up to be. It's not about that we're just doing this to seek power. But they're to build the church in unity of faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God. They're here to build the church. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Emma goes to the gym. She goes certain days and she said to me, why don't you join? And I just like to go cycling. The reason why I don't like to go to the gym is this. I've never liked to go to the gym. Gyms are full of mirrors, aren't they? I mean, that's okay. That is okay if you're in a gym and you go there all the time and you look pretty good. But the first day when you go for your assessment day, the last thing you want is mirrors. You're trying to avoid the mirrors and then you go to the gym and then there's a whole load of mirrors to show you how bad you look. And that's the reason why I wouldn't go. But, you know, if you can get past that and you can get past the first few months, then great. I'm not putting gyms down. But what I'm saying is this. If you've ever noticed, I've been in before and I've took the children to swimming lessons. That's the, only, that's the closest I ever get, ever get to gyms. I walk them through and look at everyone working away and sweating away. But I noticed this, that there's mirrors everywhere and everyone's looking at how good they look. Some of them who've been there for like three years, uh, they're in the mirror. They're right there. They're checking. The, in fact, they're not even doing any workouts. They're just there to look in the mirror. Don't you think that? They just pay £40 a month to go and look in the mirror. It's so much cheaper to do it in your bedroom. And you walk through and you're thinking, whoa, this place is just full of people who are so vain. And it gets a bit competitive. It's a competitive environment. I want to tell you today that the gifts of the Spirit that we're seeing that he will give to each one apportioned. That he will give to who he desires and, and you'll see in the body as we move forward. As you see different people, bear with each other, build each other up. But these are to build us up, not to build individuals up, to build the church. And it should never be, it can get, if we're not careful, like a spiritual gym. Where everyone's coming. So in fact, sometimes people don't want to come because they don't want to look in the mirror at themselves. They're looking at other people, thinking, oh, look at them. They're so more far advanced than me. I'm not doing that. And it becomes like a spiritual gym, gym where we feel that we don't even want to attend anymore. We don't want to come because we feel like we're inadequate. We feel like we've got some things that we want to shape up and get right. It should never be like that. Never. When we come... We should have, I said this, a unified ambition. And that unified ambition is this, that we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. If you see and are encouraged by someone else who is saying and sharing what God's done through them, we should rejoice and say, God, this is amazing. That's what unity is. It's not accepting that you're not good enough. It's saying, this is great. Because we're all doing it for one purpose. One ambition. When all the bodily functions work together, I put here, they express a greater revelation of Jesus. I want to encourage you today, and I'm not putting anyone down by this, but sometimes people see these gifts that are apportioned to different people as spectacular, and then they start to minimize what gift they're doing till they think that this is this is nothing. I want to tell you something. Whatever you're doing in this church, whether you're on the door, whether you're on the latte machine, making a latte, and thank you for those who make them for me. But I want to encourage you this, that when we saw the miracles the other night on the street, when we see the empowerment of God's work in displaying and touching lives and bringing someone to Christ from another religion and, and showing them the reality of Jesus, let me tell you this, that when they walk in this church, if there is no latte coming off the machine, then then it's not going to be the same. If there's not someone to welcome them on the door and to say hello, it's not the same. If all it was about is just an encounter with God, what is that? It needs to be in every single avenue. So every single people in this room have all got a gift that you can bring and what you're doing is you're amplifying that thing that happened the other night. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger because what happens is this. They've received this. They've received a miracle. They give their lives to Jesus. Now what they're looking for is, is 
Is this the real deal in people's lives? Does it change lives? And when they come and they see someone full of love, they see someone serving, they see this attitude, all it does is it furthermore expresses and builds up the character of Christ. I want to encourage you. If you're doing making lattes, if you're on the car park duty, if you're in the prayer team, whatever you're doing, if you're not seeing a miracle, it's not important. What's important is that you do what you've been given. And we're all doing this together, amen? It's not a spiritual gym. You see, spectacular gifts in our eyes are not spectacular to God. Think about it like this. What's spectacular? Every time we see something, we're going, wow, it was amazing. I think God's thinking, it's everything. listen, supernatural is natural to God. Okay? So when we start dividing up in disunity and looking and we're like this spiritual gym saying, oh, look at this. This is, you know, I saw a blind eye. You know, we want to see blind eyes open. We want to see this. Is that a different level? Is that better than a leg growing? Or is that better than this getting healed? There is no difference in the kingdom of God. That's why I've got, I'm, I'm beginning to stir myself up for them, for anything, to raise the dead. I was in, in, in a hospital just the other week praying for a body to come back to life. Listen, I'm not just doing this so that I can say, oh, I've seen a dead one raised. The reason why is I'm beginning to realize more and more that if Jesus sees things natural, that I see supernatural, then everything's equal for him. Therefore, that's why we can ask for anything. Nothing is impossible for God. But the thing is for us is we start segregating everything up. Then we start to, this is what causes disunity. Because we start to say, this is a greater thing. They're doing greater things. Look at me. I'm still doing this. Listen, he sees, I really believe this, God loves the person who makes a coffee. He loves that task as much as someone healing someone or praying for someone. We don't heal. The reason being is, is because all of these functions are to express Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. The gift of receiving this empowerment, the gift of this unity, is something that is so important for every single believer. And I want to encourage you today, if last week you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, you can still be filled. And the re- all you have to do is go in your own room today when you go home, even if we're not going to pray for people today, is go and ask, say, I want to be filled. And he will give you this gift. He will give it to you, and you can use this gift. But let me tell you, just to finish off on the gifts of the Spirit in action and all what I'm talking about with the kind of disunity among us and, and how we can get this can get all out of, out of turn. Paul says this to sum it up in 1 Corinthians 13. 13. He says this, I and mean, you hear this at many weddings. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. He went on to say in 1 Corinthians thirteen eight, Love never fails but where there are prophecies they will cease. Where there are tongues they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge... It will pass away. In other words, don't get too caught up on the whole gifts. Because an important thing is love. And love is in the bond of peace and unity. Amen? Don't get too wet up on these gifts. Don't get too focused on these things. Because one day, let me, let me tell you this. When the trumpet sounds, when Jesus returns, when you hear that final trumpet sound, And we know where we're going to go. Let me tell you this. There's not going to be one more prophecy. There's not going to be one more prophet. There's not going to be one more healing. There's going to be nothing of this. Because when we go to be with him, you won't need any of that anymore. All these things will cease. But what will remain? God's love for his children. Then you'll see that none of it really had any relevance. Other than it was to express God's love. That's all it's for. Keep that in your mind always, that one day these things are going to be gone. We cannot build a church on gifts. 
We cannot build a church on the gifts of the Spirit. It's important to get this part of the message right first. So we need to be empowered. We need to receive it. Finally, I want to say today is we need to have a unified conviction. A unified conviction. Paul said this, if we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, listen, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Listen to this. We all need to have unified conviction about what we believe as a church. What you'll find is this, those who are not unified, those who begin to get proudful, those who begin to uh, break off from the body and then it all becomes fragmented because there's jealousy and we're not unified by this bond of peace. This is what happens. They begin to walk away. They begin to flit around. They begin to looking for what's going to soothe them and then they, f- then they think, oh, I can't bear with these people at this place. I'm going to go here, so I'm going to, and they move around. And listen, what Paul says is this, is we need maturity. Spiritual maturity. That's what it brings. It brings us to a place where we won't be tossed around by every wind of teaching. When, we, when we're glued together as a body, all focused on the same conviction, as difficult as it can be, we won't be tossed around. By these different things. I remember years ago someone telling me this story. I've heard it several times. That on Sunday morning in London. The the ministers at some of the biggest churches in London. And you may know who they are. But some of the biggest churches that you probably love to go and visit. Many of them across the city. Every Sunday morning before the service starts. Or the services start. The phones. The phone lines are ringing. And they're hot. And this is not for people to say, I'm going to be a little bit late today or I can't make it. This is for people to ring up to say, who's speaking today? Who's, who's speaking today? Ah, right, okay. And they're off to the other one. The phone lines are hot because people want to find the latest teaching. They want to go where they're going to feel comfortable. And they're looking around. The phone lines are not hot to say, oh yeah, I'm going to be late. Sorry, I can't be on the latte machine this morning. No, it's... Who's speaking? All right, no, I'll, I'll see you next week then. And this is what happens. People flit around looking and they're never settled. Because unity is not there. They're their own leader. They're their own person. I met someone recently. They said to me this. They said, I get up on Sunday mornings and I ask, I ask Jesus where to tell me which church to go to. I thought, wow, I wish I could do that. That is, that is a seriously good place to be in. You know, I'll have a break this week. I'm going to go to this one or this one. But I'm not putting, putting you know, sometimes we go and it's nice to be refreshed in other places. I, we love to do that and it's great, isn't it? But what I'm saying is this, that some people believe that it's God's idea that they can flit around and, and be led by the Spirit every week. Not, never, never actually integrated in any church. So they flit around. And if it's like that, that's all good and well. And God, and listen, God's grace, you, they might be touched and saying, well, God touched me in this place and I was able to minister to someone. So it must be God sent me there. Listen, Jesus will never take his gifts from you. You can be doing anything you like as long as you're operating. But listen, the gifts do not endorse your actions. The gifts will not endorse your actions. If I went out of this room today while this service was on and didn't preach to you and went down the road, if I prayed for someone who was sick, they would get healed, does that confirm that I shouldn't be here? No. It doesn't confirm it. Because God in his grace will always operate through us. but doesn't endorse our actions. So we need to be together in unity Moving forward, knowing that we're all believing in the same thing. Convicted of the same thing. It's funny that even when people, when we've done building projects, if you ever noticed this, building projects, when you run building projects in church, most of the time you find that people vanish. People start to vanish. Because, oh, my conviction is not to be here now. 
I need to move somewhere else just for this time. Then you see them return when all the carpets have been laid and everything's new. And then they return and say, I'm back. I really felt the Lord told me to come back now. I bet he did. (laughs) I bet he did. Listen, the only thing that's changed in them is not their character, it's the carpet. The only thing that's changed in that time in them is not their character. It's the carpet change. See, let's take a lesson from the, the ones who wandered for 40 years around the desert. They didn't want to succumb to leadership. They grumbled. There was disunity among them. And they wandered for 40 years around the same place. Boy, oh boy, they'd be a great for tour around that area, wouldn't they? They'd know where to go. 40 years. And listen, the reason why they wandered is because they they didn't succumb to leadership. They didn't succumb to the unity following the leadership of Moses and Joshua. And it led them to wander. I don't want us to have this attitude that we can just wander, but we need to be unified as a body. Convicted of the same thing. Conviction to what we believe and connection to a church is key. The writer of Hebrews said this to finish. We should be moving from milk to solids. Not be infants, always immature in looking for the the latest of teaching. But he says, we need this. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers. Hebrews 5 says this. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In other words, we need to move from to solid food. Not be flitting around. Immature. Looking at every wind of teaching. Tossed around. But we need to be convicted of the same word, moving forward together as a body. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.